0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Have you ever tried to talk a seller into doing something? Well, if so, you're not alone. We're going to talk today about how to get the seller and the buyer on the same side of the table and lots more great negotiating ideas from the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Home Buyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Come meet Terry Kerr when the Real Estate Guys come to Memphis for an investor field trip March 2nd through 4th. Get all the details at realestateguysradio.com and click on Events. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as always, financial strategist, co-host, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Hey there. We've got a great show for you today. Life is not about what you're handed or what you have to work with as much as it is about what you negotiate, and that has to do with your relationships and uh, your skill sets and all that. Last week, uh, you probably listened to our Ask the Guys show. We love to take listener questions, and one of the questions that came in, we decided really it was one of the shortest questions, and, and we're going to do a whole show about it. And here was the question. Uh, Will from New York said, hey, guys, love your show. Wanted to know how can I let uh, the owner know that either a lease option or seller financing is beneficial to them, even though I'm a new real estate investor. All right, so that sounds like an easy question, but here's where we started talking about this, that when you've got a seller who is at first look on the opposite side of the table from you, they want something different. In every real estate transaction, the seller wants the most money and the buyer wants to pay the least. So at the very beginning, we're starting on opposite ends. How do you get someone over to your side of the the fence? And what really that started us thinking about is that, All the best transactions that we've ever been a part of are win-win transactions where at the end of the day, both parties shake hands and go, that was great. Let's do that again. Uh, on the summit, well, one of the things we're going to do is spend a lot of time talking about how value can be exchanged independent of cash and where some one person might be a do not wanter for something and somebody's a wanter for that. And before you know it, each person goes through a transaction feeling they got the best part of the deal. And that's a mindset. When you're a real estate investor, you're not out there trying to rip people off and trying to you know talk people out of their assets. It's quite the opposite. What you're really trying to do is put yourself on a position where everybody wins.
1: Yeah. So the first thing is really your mindset and the idea that there's a fence between you or there's opposite ends of the table. I don't even think that way. You know, when I first started out in corporate sales, I would go out into the marketplace and I had my flip charts and my presentations and my referral letters and all that. And it was talk, 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 talk. As I grew in my professionalism and my ability to go out and make a deal happen, I used to go in with nothing but my yellow pad. And as I got older, I would have the younger folks come with me, and they couldn't believe that I went in naked.
0: Yeah, Brian Tracy calls that going in nude, absolutely.
1: But the reality was I knew that all the information I needed wasn't on my side of the, the, the desk. It was all in the other person's mind. What I needed to do was become great at asking the right questions. And if you really do believe going into a situation that there's a win-win— then that means that there isn't a competing agenda. It's a cooperative agenda. And so my mission is to go in and really understand the other person and really understand what their needs, their wants, their desires, their fears, their prejudices, their resources, what it's about for them. And if the focus is 100% about them, they'll be happy to talk. You'll build rapport like you cannot believe. And when you identify a few of their problems or at least one big problem and you know they know they have the problem and that's the key there's a process you go through in this when they know and they see it the way you see it and you see from their perspective then you go to work on solving their problem and now you're sitting shoulder to shoulder with them on the same side of the table looking at the same problem crafting a solution and it completely, completely changes the dynamic of the relationship. I mean, it's amazing what happens when you do that.
0: Absolutely. And so just from your question, well, it's obvious that you think it's beneficial because you're saying, how can I convince the owner that a lease option or seller financing is a benefit to them? Well, the first thing is that it has to be. You have to realize that it is. You have to understand that it is. But then you have to get them to understand it. And you're not going to do that by beating the idea over the head. Right, right with them. Instead, you're gonna have to do exactly what Russ says. So, so I think the bigger topic is negotiation and getting on the same side of the table. But I think let's start with this because it's a, it's the question. But also, it can lead us down to what the exact situation is. So, if you're in a situation where, say, you have a seller, potential seller of a property that owns it outright, and they are thinking they want to sell it, and you want to buy it. But they aren't interested in seller financing. They just want the cash for it. And your mission is to convince them otherwise. Well, first of all, it's got to make sense for them. And we used to go through this. My father and I worked in residential real estate sales and investment sales for a lot of years. And we would often meet somebody who owned a property outright. And uh, Bob was masterful at getting people to at least consider carrying it back. And they'd say, well, no, no, no. We're not interested in that. We want the cash. And, and a big part of that was just the questioning. It's like, okay, so you don't want to carry, you want you want the cash. Well, what are you going to do with the cash is the first thing, right? Why, why do you need that and, and what? So you start to ask questions about their needs. What is it that they want to accomplish? Again, the mindset is you want to buy the property and you'd love to have seller financing in this scenario. They want to sell the property. They may or may not be interested in seller financing, but they may not even realize the benefits of, of considering it.
1: Yeah, so early on in this uh negotiation as they're you guys are feeling each other out they don't know that they trust you yet right and so you have to completely take out of your mind that what you want is good for them you you can't go in believing or thinking that you have the answer you have to go in the whole key of going in naked if you will is going into the idea that i'm exploring i'm i want to find out and you don't know what they know or you don't know what they don't know you just want to know from bob's point what am i tr- what are they trying to
0: accomplish right you have to have a reasonable expectation that it could that you could have the answer but not that you do have the answer because you don't know their situation you know your situation you can only assume their situation until you meet them
1: right so really when you set that out then all of the there's an old scripture that i love it says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks And what that really is saying is whatever you have on your heart and mind, if you have it there, it's going to come out. It's going to come out in your tonality. It's going to come out in your body language. It's going to come out in the words you say. It's going to come out in how well or how well you don't listen and really accept what people are saying and how quickly you try to move towards an agenda. And it's really, really important. One of the number one things I learned in all my years in in sales was that you cannot move too quickly towards a conclusion. You have to give the other person and time to develop the trust, to develop the rapport, to develop the understanding, to begin to see the things. And you have to give yourself the opportunity to do the same
0: on the other side. This This is critical. This is is so important because you might see it within two minutes, especially once you get good at it. You know, we'd go into a listing presentation and within 10 minutes, I knew exactly the deal. But 10 minutes is too fast. That's too fast to jump into a relationship. So you have to let them come along. And the other thing is, it has to be their idea. If it's your idea, then they're automatically going to be skeptical of it. If instead it's their idea, and you do that through questioning, right? It's what Socrates and Aristotle were great at, is questioning instead of lecturing.
1: Right, and that that's really the key. Again, if you want great answers, you have to ask great questions. And the questions, you know, are open-ended. But again, the, the mindset, you don't have to worry about so much about what you're going to say if you get your mindset right, because I really do believe if you have your mindset right, the things that you do will be congruent uh, with, with this exploratory process. So as you're asking the questions, you know, like Bob was asking there in, in your example is, you know, well, tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what you're trying to accomplish. Obviously, you know, they want to sell the property, right? And so whenever you get to a point where you start going down a path and you meet a little resistance, you want to always retreat back to common ground. So the key is you start with this basis. Look, here's Mr. Seller. I'm here. I'm a buyer. You're a seller. You want to sell the property, I want to buy the property. We have common ground, we have a basis to have a discussion. Now, we have to figure out how we're going to do this deal so it works for both of us, right? And we both want it to work for both of us, right? So I'm asking these questions and I'm getting these little agreements as I'm going along in the conversation. Now, I start saying, well, tell me a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish after the sale. Where are you trying to go? What are you going to do with the proceeds, blah, blah, blah. And as they start telling you that, again, you're not jumping to conclusions, but you're looking for I typically want to have 3 to 5 things they're trying to accomplish that one of my potential solutions and hopefully I've got more than one can begin to address. And so I I view this invisible teeter-totter that is between the two of us and I'm trying to get 3 to 5 things on my side of the teeter-totter to kind of tilt it in my favor. When I know I've got three to five things, then my response is, okay, Mr. Seller, this is what I hear you saying. And I repeat back to them.
0: Now, this is important. You have to repeat it back because one, it helps clarify it. But two, there's this funny thing that happens in human communication where, and if if you're in a primary relationship, you have this happen almost every day where (laughs) they say something and you hear something and you discover later those two things are very different, right? So you hear the seller say X and you go, you assume you've got it figured. As soon as you've feed it back and say, let me just understand what you're saying is this sometimes they'll go exactly and sometimes they'll go, well, no, no, that's not what I said. I said this. And so you have to feed it back to get clarification. Yeah, and
1: it, it lets them know that you were listening. It lets them know that you care. It lets them know that it's important to you that they be heard. So it's, it's not only the exercise of getting clarity and being really clear in the communication, but it's also a rapport-building exercise. And the thing is, none of this is manipulative. It's just good practice in interpersonal relationships to be able to do this.
0: Well, that's an interesting point because it certainly can be manipulative if used incorrectly. I remember talking to a great sales guy uh, in, in real estate and he said, here's the thing. It's like the force. Yeah, It can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Let me give you an example. I remember going on a listing presentation years ago with my dad and, and he, you know, I was, you know, school of Walter Sanford, get in and get out in 37 minutes and have the listing, right? My dad is a four hour listing presentation guy, right? He comes in, he loves the house. He wants to talk about stuff. And I learned pretty early on that I had to let him do. Do that because that was rapport building and he was magnificent at it. So we were sitting with a, a couple that was uh, retiring and they wanted to move and their whole thing, you know, to, well, why are you guys moving? You know, it's a beautiful house. Why are you moving? Well, um, we're retired now and uh, our grandkids are five hours away and we love to go see the grandkids, but we think there's a great opportunity to live closer to the grandkids. We've talked to our son and our daughter-in-law and, and uh, well, that's what we want to go do. We want to be close to the grandkids. So that was their, their big why. And dad was like, great, well, tell me about the grandkids. Well, do you have pictures of the grandkids? Now, he didn't ask that because he's a salesperson who was taught to ask that. He legitimately cares about people, and he really does want to see the grandkids, right? So so now he has that information. Fast forward about 90 days. We get an offer on the property. It is not full price. We go in with the seller, and the seller takes this bit of a position of, well, it's not what I want, and I'm not selling it at that price. So my dad masterfully says, I completely understand that. Now, looking at the comps again, you can see why they've offered the price that they have, but I completely hear you. You want your price. And obviously, right, you've retired. This is your one chance to cash out of this house, and and you want to do that. But, you know, when we first met, I remember that the thing that that drove you, the the one most important thing, and I asked you what the most important thing was, was to be with your grandkids. Right now, you guys are about $7,000 off on price. So I just want you to think about $7,000 and the importance of that versus being with your grandkids. When you sign this agreement as it's written, in 30 days you're going to be living within four blocks of your grandkids. So I just want you to think about that. It was masterful, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but watching my dad do that, I'm just like, wow. Now, here's the thing. He wasn't trying to get a sale. He was trying to make sure these people didn't lose sight of what was important to them because of seven grand.
1: Well, and and that's really what a professional salesperson does. A professional salesperson draws out the person's inner desires and needs and wants and fears and helps them navigate through their fears and their natural hesitation and guide them to a conclusion and outcome that they've already expressed that they want and are willing to do, but just can't seem to get past their own prejudices and paradigms and that's the reason you have therapists it's the reason you have doctors and consultants people can come in and look bartenders at yeah they can come in and look at your situation through a different set of eyes and help you remember to keep the main thing the main thing so again it's a it's a great power and with great power comes great responsibility to quote from spider-man but i mean if you're a professional salesperson and you're really looking to serve other people with this skill set you make things happen. That's why salespeople are the highest paid in any organization or should be because without them,
0: nothing happens. There is no business or commerce without salespeople. All right, so how do we get on the same side as our seller and buyer? That's what we're talking about today. A lot more ideas when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms.
2: Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at
3: realestateguysradio.com. Have you ever been frustrated with your bank, denied a loan, charged excessive fees, hassled over late payments? Don't worry, you're not alone. What if you could become your own bank, set your own terms, interest would be paid to you, all your monthly payments could be reused for other purchases? Now you can. There is a cash management system that families, business owners, and investors have used for decades, which allows you to be the bank. For a free article from our friends at Paradigm Life, visit www.beyourbank.com or call us at 1-888-510-6838, extension 116.
0: Hey, Ross, we need a catchy ad for David Campbell's hassle-free cash flow properties analysis. Dallas.
1: How about nobody does Dallas like David? Uh, no. Okay, so what makes David Steele so great?
0: Well, first they're in Dallas. It's a great market with strong drivers. Dallas is a great market. Plus, they're brand new, no deferred maintenance, a builder's home warranty, and lots of landlord-friendly features. Go on. David's offering a two-year rent guarantee. That means hassle-free cash flow from day one, guaranteed for two full years. Wow. How do I get in on this? Even that's hassle-free. Just send an email to hasslefree at realestateguysradio.com. Now, what about the ad?
1: A deal this good doesn't need an ad. Just an email to hasslefree at realestateguysradio.com.
2: Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the Real Estate Guys. They really know what they're talking about.
0: And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded real estate podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Tell a friend about the Real Estate Guys. Hey, before we're done today, somebody is going to win a summit for two. That's right. Our annual investors summit at sea is coming up in March. And uh, after all these months of people entering the contest, uh, today's the day that we announced the winner. So stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, today, we're talking about getting on the same side of the table, if you will, as, uh, as the person you're negotiating with. So this uh, was spawned from a question we got from a listener about how do I convince the seller or or educate the seller about how a lease option or, or seller financing might work for them but obviously there's a bigger picture here you know you rush you were taking us through this process of the teeter-totter which I, I just I remember you the first time I saw you teach this it was it was great to, to have in your mind this idea that that you're stacking up stuff on your side of the teeter-totter and you don't want to jump too soon to their side
1: you don't you don't you absolutely need to have three to five things that you know are hot buttons for them and however you choose to collect it you know Walter Sanford you Get, you're very efficient, you get in and out in 17 minutes. Bob Helms, you collect it over the space of four hours. However you do it, the point is is that you do it. And you end up with those things because in the example you just gave, Bob was able to pull that arrow out of his quiver, if you will, and remind them, hey, this was important to you. So you know, I had a really a more methodical because I am not a natural people person like Bob. I really had to learn the methodology and the skill of doing this and and, and I got pretty precise at doing it. Um, But you you look at people who are natural salespeople, a guy like Bob, and they do it instinctively. If you're not a natural salesperson, I think this show is huge benefit. You ought to listen to it a hundred times because this is gold. If you know how to make deals, there's a lot of money to be made in any business, but especially in real estate.
0: Well, and I want to bring that up. You mentioned sales and sometimes people bristle to the idea of being a salesperson. So understand that Will, in your case, You are trying to sell the seller on this idea. So you are absolutely a salesperson. You might not view yourself as a salesperson, but sales is crucial. Robert Kiyosaki talks about it being the essential skill. If you can sell, you can do anything else. It's also the world's oldest profession, selling. (laughs) People think it's something else, but that's really just a subset of sales. So sales is crucial. It's very important. And the reason we bristle to sales is because you think used car sales or the guy who's trying to talk you into something you don't need. Great sales is an art, and mastery of sales is getting the person, as Russ said, to, to come to a natural conclusion that is great for them but overcomes their natural uh, hesitancy and barriers.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the key things is you have to upsta- upset the status quo. And so the three to five things that you're getting are hot buttons that they have unmet needs, desires. In this case, they want to spend time with their grandchildren in the house where they're living is too far away. That's a problem. So you have three to five of those things. Now they have other considerations because moving is simple. They could just move and abandon the house. So obviously there's financial considerations. So there's more than one criteria at work here. And that's why I say you're looking for three to five. And then when you get to the point where you say, okay, now when you've got the three to five, because this can go on forever, there could be a hundred, but you only need three to five, the good ones. And you say, okay, now, Mr. Seller, this is what I hear you saying. And you say, you said this was important to you and, and, and this is why, and this was important to you. And now, then
0: stop and say, did I hear you right?
1: Did I hear you correctly? Now you're getting little agreements and they're saying, yeah, that's exactly right. You're building rapport. Then you do what's called a hypothetical and you say, look- I don't exactly know how this is all going to come together, but you know, one of the things that I'm pretty good at is creative deal structure. If I could find a way to help you achieve A, B,
0: C that you just
1: told me were super important to you, would that be a basis for us to do business together? I mean, could we get a deal done?
0: That's a great qualifying question. You're now making sure that you have at least a tentative agreement to have an agreement.
1: Well, you're flushing out more objections because one of the things is dealing with the psychology of the person on the other end, it's like peeling away the layers of an onion. And the hottest, most sensitive, tender areas, the things that are really going to move them to say yes or no, are buried underneath these layers, these smoke screens, these walls people erect. That's the whole point. And so... How quickly you can penetrate that and get to the heart of the matter is going to be based on how skillful you are, how respectful you are, how congruent you are, how much rapport you can build and how fast. But if you can begin to do that, because you notice with that statement, I said, look, one of the things I'm pretty good at, you got to toot your own horn a little bit. You didn't say I'm the best in the world. You know, you weren't arrogant. Hey, I can do this. If anybody can, you know, you're not like that. You're just saying, hey, one of the things I'm, I'm pretty good at is, is creative deal structure. And I don't know, you know, if I can get this thing done. Now you're doing a little bit of a takeaway. Like, yeah. wow, you, you might be able to help me. And they want it, but you're not pushing it. You pull away and then they come towards you instead of you. If you go towards them, they run but if you pull away a little bit they will begin to pursue and it's it's again it's a very subtle shift in the dynamic but it's 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 the act of bringing you closer together again because once they're moving in your direction then you can reverse and begin to move in their direction and you can close the gap pretty quickly.
0: Remembering that there may be this barrier that they put up. And, and as Russ talked about at the beginning, they don't know you. They're not sure. They're skeptical. Setting the table with the takeaway is great. When you first get there, you know, I, I don't know that we can put this deal together or not, right? It may I may not be the right buyer. But but just in case I am, let's let's talk about this. And the other thing is I know a lot of other real estate investors, and it may be that there's somebody else I know that would be a better candidate for your property, and, and that would be great too. So it's not like, hey, I'm here to buy the house. It's I'm here to explore what's right for you. Now, you know, thinking back to the to the listing presentation with with Bob. That wasn't the first thing they said, right? That took some time to get to. A force of all of it is, of course, here's the price I want. Okay, great. Well, we've done a lot of work in this house, and and we've really improved the house, and it's got a new roof, and it's got this and all feature, feature, feature about the house. So we want to get top dollar. Okay, I understand you want to get top dollar. Absolutely. And you know what? As a real estate professional, I get paid a percentage of what you make. I want you to get the highest price possible, too. See, that's another thing. As a real estate person, you're on their side automatically if if you take that tact. Not I'm a big cost. To you I'm on your side in this case you're trying to accomplish something that works for you but also for them and that's why you're exploring it now I think there's some more things we'll talk about then specifically about this situation because I think it's there's some great stuff here too
1: yeah so what you just talked about was establishing common ground and, and illustrating an alignment of interest hey I'm on your side you know and again you always go back to common ground when you feel like the person begins to retreat a little bit you kind of huddle them back in and get them back inside that circle of trust if you will that uh, that we are Talk about. So, and coming back to this other notion, because you said earlier, you know, they're talking about money, money, money. I'm interested in the money. Well, everybody's interested in money, but the reality is nobody's interested in money. Everybody is interested in what money will do for them. And that's really the key in a financial transaction. Here you're talking about. What are you going to do with the money? What does the money mean to you? And you have to get to bring it back down kind of closer to the tactics of this particular question is you have to bring it back down to what is it you're trying to accomplish with the money. Now you don't have the right to ask that question too early. Right. You know, you again, just go back to your experience in your personal relationships. You know, you meet a cute gal or guy and you know you're interested in getting into a relationship, you know, what you you can't you can't do too much too soon, right? You you this might be the gal or guy you're gonna Mary, but you you don't say it right out of the gate, right? You got to give that thing time to develop a little bit. So the point is, when you're talking about money, money means different things to different people and you're not they're not interested in what it means to you you need to be super interested in what it means to them and then your mission is to put a deal together that gets them what they really want which might not be cash in the bank
0: i remember a situation where we had an offer on a property that uh they had asked for the seller to carry back a second just a ten percent second, but that wasn't something the seller was interested in offering and yet the seller had a lot of equity they're like nope i'm not going to carry so pop was great bob just said well i understand completely this is just an offer. We might get a lot more offers, but I always like to see if there's any way we can make it work. Uh, What were you going to do with the proceeds uh, once you pay off your mortgage? Well, probably I'm going to put a lot of it in in the bank. Well, okay, why would you put it in the bank? Well, because it'll be safe and because I'll get a return. Well, obviously a modest return. Even even then it was a modest return, right? And so slowly but surely, Dad started to introduce the idea of what a second really meant and carrying back looked like. And it was essentially like having it in the bank, a bank that you knew very well because you'd owned the property for 20 years. So you were very familiar with the collateral and look at the interest rate they were offering and all those things. And before you know it, the seller goes, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So, so I, I'm going to get 8% on this deal? Well, that's better than I can do with the bank. Now, he had to come to that conclusion. It couldn't be Bob going, no, 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 idiot. 4% in the bank, well, today would be a lot less than that, right? 8% of the, it wasn't that. It was the guy going, I get it.
1: Yeah, and so the technique there is really to give them, again, the hypothetical. And you got to have them feel it. So the thing is, they, they say, well, I would put the money in into the bank. Great. What type of uh, return on investment, what type of yield would you expect on that? Mm, probably about 2%. All All right. If there was some way, again, I'm, I'm not sure, but just if there was a way that you could maybe triple your income on the proceeds, is that something that would be interesting to you? Now, they're either going to say yes or no. Obviously, it's a loaded question. Probably yes. Great. Well, I think I have a way to do that. And then you can begin to explore it a little bit. Gingerly, and if you get pulled back, then you come back, right? Because you've already got them to agree. And again, this is the process of getting a deal done because you gain these little agreements, and every time you push into an area and you get resistance, you come back to the point of last agreement. And you branch off of there, and you continue to craft your deal until you come up with a structure. And the thing is, when you're talking to somebody – and you're proposing the notion of seller financing, what's presupposed in all of this is that they have equity. Right. In today's market, if you're talking to somebody that has equity, they've probably owned the property for a very long time. And if they have owned the property for a long time, one of the things you want to remind them of, of what a great investment that was. Because now the fear of putting the money someplace where it isn't safe. I mean, today, I think right now, I would much rather have my collateral, my, my income secured by a piece of property that I already did really well on that I already know, compared to how uncertain the banks are, even with the FDIC guarantee. If we're talking substantial money, and I don't know how much equity in any given transaction, but sometimes the equity can be over the insured limits, even the $250,000 limits. And so that isn't even really completely safe, the way people think of banks. And bank. there's a lot of bank failures going on right now, whereas, hey, Mr. Sell, you know what? Over the last 20 years, You've done really well in real estate and you weren't even trying to be an investor. Right. So what if you could triple your income and have great security uh, in case something went sideways? Now, you know, there may be some immediate cash needs you need, and that's where you have to kind of get in. Yeah, I, I need income. I need a little bit of cash to make the move, but really I mostly need money to invest in. That's where you have to kind of get into the, the details a little bit. And the other thing, too, is is, is there, there are questions that are going to come up that have to do with taxes and blah, blah, blah. You're going to want to make sure that you have your tax advisors briefed on what you're doing and really are expert. Don't walk in there just naked like all by yourself. You have to have a team of experts. You want to encourage them to check with their tax advisor? Most people, really, really, do most people you know really have a strong team? They don't. Probably not. You can offer them, hey, you know, if you don't have, you can talk to my guy or I can have my guy talk to your guy because it's important to me that you really understand how this deal is going to work for you. I don't want any bombs going off or have any, you know, secret thing. Now this is all about expressing concern for them. Now again, it's not manipulative. It's just the right thing to do. But you have to understand how they're seeing it. You came in as a stranger, an adversary in an adversarial transaction trying to get a good deal and get something from them. Now you've become a trusted advisor, a resource, a helper, somebody who's going to help them improve their lifestyle. And that's the mastery of, of the art of the deal, if you will.
0: Every deal that works out well has a win on both sides. That's what we're talking about today. Speaking of win, we come back. Not only can you win a prize with real estate trivia, someone is going to win the 10th Annual Investor Summit at Sea for free. That's going to be when we come back. So stay with us. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're the Real Estate Guys.
4: Hi, this is Lawrence Yuan Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to the Real Estate Guys.
1: If you're like me and thousands of others, you know that The Real Estate Guys radio show is a great source for quality content about investing in real estate. But did you know that they also have a book? I just finished reading their book, Equity Happens, and I was blown away by how much I learned. If you're ready to create sustainable wealth through real estate, you need to get Equity Happens. You'll learn, just as I did, about what it takes to prosper in the real estate industry. So don't wait. Make equity happen to you. Order your copy today at equityhappens.com.
3: As investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next five to ten years, one market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest-growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next 10 years. And just next year alone, Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now, what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased, and cash-flowing investment properties in this market for half a replacement cost? That's right, three- and four-bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for $70,000 to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450, or check us out online at gainvesting.com. Hi, this
1: is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor. Remember, equity happens, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, where it's always win-win. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Before we get back to the show, it is time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. We'll give away two autographed copies of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. The first one goes to the first person with the right answer, like a traditional radio contest. And then, because many of you are listening not on the Radio, but on your personal audio device, uh, you also have a chance to win. We'll take uh, all the correct guesses for the week and have a drawing, and it's a pretty easy question uh, this week. At least there's, there's a lot of uh, easy uh, options that you could uh, guess if you don't know. Uh, and then uh, we'll have a second drawing, and that way you can win as long as you get your entry in before next week's show. Now, last week on The Real Estate Guys, it was our Super Bowl edition of Ask the Guys, and here's our question. 17 of the 20 highest peaks in the United States are located in one state. Which one? The state of Alaska. Alaska has 17 of the 20 highest peaks in the U.S.
1: I would have never guessed that.
0: Yeah, that's a good real estate trivia question. Now, here's our trivia question uh, for this week, an international question. And because we're about to give away a cabin on the 10th annual Investor Summit at Sea, I had to pick real estate cruise trivia. Here it is. What island country is visited by the most cruise ships? Of all the places that cruise ships go, what island country is visited by the most cruise ships? If you have the answer or you want to take a guess, quickly send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com and include your name and mailing address so that we can send you the book if you're the winner. All right, speaking of winners, here we are. It is time for us to announce the winner of the 10th Annual Investor Summit at Sea Contest. Every year, the Real Estate Guys take a bunch of investors on a wonderful, wonderful summit and it includes a cruise and it's a lot of fun. And uh, you have entered in a variety of ways over the past 11 and a half months and Uh, today we're ready to announce the winners so do you have the envelope yep here we go it's all been handled for us we are hands off and there goes oh it is actually uh actually actually an envelope all right here we go and drum roll please the winner is well you're all winners but the person going on the (laughs) summit for free is Kevin Pereira all right. There we go. All, all right. right. congratulations. That's pretty exciting. Well, actually, for Kevin, it is. You know, for, for thousands, it's a it's a letdown. But, you know, for Kevin Pereira, it's huge. And uh, we don't know Kevin. I mean, maybe he'll be our new best friend. Who knows? Now that we'll be on the summit together, he and her friend will be joining us. Now, if you didn't win, fear not. We still have a couple of cabins left. Still time to join us on the 10th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. You can find out all the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on Summit. We would love to meet you. Robert and Kim Kiasi. Saki would love to meet you. I'm sure even Kevin Pereira would love to meet you. So there you go. Great stuff. We're talking today about how do you get on the same side of the table as the seller or any transaction? How do you make it a win-win? The best transactions are win-win transactions where everyone feels good about it. If you go through the process that we've been describing on this show, you're going to get to the point, if it works, and it's not always going to work, but if you do get to agreement, once you've laid this kind of a foundation, it's going to be a win.
1: Yeah. And so you're at the stage now where you've gone through and you've uncovered the need and you've built the rapport and you've gotten some trial uh, acceptance and, you know, you've gotten to the point where you said, hey, Mr. Seller, I hear you saying you're looking for these three to five things and here's the reasons why. Very important. And if I could show you a proposal or two or three, which I want to talk about here in just a minute, and, and something works for you, then we've got a basis to do business together, right? Yes. Okay. So they say yes. All right. Now your job is to come up with that proposal. Now, what I used to do is I would go away from the relationship and I would work in the privacy and I'd put the deal together and I would try to come up with three alternatives because people don't like only having one choice.
0: This is the old two-step sales process where you give them some time and you have some time and it can work to your advantage, but also sometimes you don't have the luxury of it.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, and again, if you've got your, you know, if you really have done your homework and you can think on your feet, you may be the kind of person that can just get the deal done. If you're a newbie and you're asking these types of questions, you may have to go away and just do your homework real quick, confer with your experts, do whatever you got to do. And you come back and you, you come back with, uh, you know, two or three proposals. And this is this is really the art of getting the deal done now. You, you come back and you've made the appointment to come back and you're sitting there in front of them again and you, you say – Well, you know, Mr. Seller, the last time we got together, we had talked about all of these different things and you really do a summary, kind of bringing everybody back up to speed and you rekindle those emotions. And the important thing is that you say, and you told me these three to five things were super important to you for these reasons. And they get emotional again. Yeah. And we said, hey, if I could come back and show you something that would work, that we'd have a basis to do business together. Is that still true? It's very important. Now they're going to say, Well, yeah, I mean, if you could do that for me, I'm in. You've gotten basic acceptance. Now, remember, enthusiasm sells. Then you get a big smile on your face and you look at them and you know what then? I am so excited because I'm pretty sure we're going to get a deal done today because based on what you just told me, I've got some amazing stuff here. Now, I had one time when somebody said to me, well, let me see it. But they wouldn't commit. They said, well, I I said, well, if we got a basis to do business together here, if I can show you these three to five things. And they said, well, let me see what you got. Well, that wasn't the deal. The deal is if that I show this, I've done the work. If I show these deals to you, I want to know that we have a basis. And the guy says, well, then I'm not ready to do it. I said, fine. Then I got up to leave.
0: Yep, that's well, exactly what you have to be ready to do the big takeaway. You got
1: to be doing the takeaway. And so he he saw my enthusiasm that I had the answers to his problems, but he did not he knew what I was doing and he yeah. didn't want to give me the upper hand. And I just said, "Well, you know, then I'm trying to do business pretty straightforward. I've spent a lot of time putting this together for you. But, you know, if, if, if we don't have a basis to do business together, then I
0: don't want to waste any more of your time. Ah, that's huge. Now, now, part of it is because when you ask some of the questions and some of the methodology Russ is talking about, you have to be careful not to sound too rote or too That's salesy right. it needs to sound like you're thinking of it for the first time even though these are tried and true techniques again the mindset is this is really to help both parties so you got to put yourself in that mindset but if they will not commit stand up and walk out there are so many more houses they have a big problem that you have a very realistic chance to solve But they should be lucky they met you, and that's how it should end up. And if not, you know, walk away. Don't be afraid to walk away. just like barter 101 when you're trying to negotiate for anything, right? I remember I was in Mexico with my mom, and she desperately wanted to buy this this beautiful whatever it was, uh, tablecloth or something, I think. And when we went in, and, and, you know, they offer this price, and and we go to barter, and uh, we reach a price that she wants to pay. They don't want to take it. So I go, okay, come on, mom. And she was like, she didn't want to leave. I go, come on. And, and then we're walking back, we're walking back, and sure enough, we don't get 10 feet before the guy goes, okay, oh, okay, okay, okay. And I had explained to her, listen, they will not sell it to you at a price that is not profitable for them, and you can't be afraid to walk away from it. And that can be one of the biggest lessons that, that both parties get.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in this particular example I did, I got up to walk away, and I headed for the door, and you know, and, and then he called me back. I got the deal. And so, anyway, you don't always have to do that, and it's not comfortable when you have to do it, but I'm just saying, you know, you got to be willing to do it. Uh, You have to understand, because otherwise you're just giving this person the formula, you've given them your work for free, and they're not being honorable in the transaction.
0: It's also a great indication of who you're dealing with, right? Exactly. The the information about the relationship is available at the beginning, Bob likes to say, if you'll heed it. And I think if you think back to situations you've been in where something hasn't gone right, there were little red flags, you get an idea about the the way a person's gonna be early on. and You might decide within uh, 20 minutes, I don't want to be in a deal with this person. Well, this
1: is important in the context of what we're talking Absolutely. about because this isn't a transaction where you just do a deal and walk away. You're in a transaction where you have an ongoing relationship for an extended period of
0: time. If they're gonna carry or, or it's gonna be lease option, this is a this is you're you're creating a relationship.
1: That's right. And you're turning the tables now where where you're coming in with your little hat in your hand wanting something, and now you're really the offerer. You've got the solution to their problem because you've done your homework, you've identified their need. Needs, you've identified their desires. You've heightened the awareness of them. One of the things I didn't mention that's a very important part is, is how you actually uh, upset the status quo. And that's where you do that right at the point of sale. So you're at the point of decision-making and you say, you explain all your different deals and all this stuff. And you say, now, if you weren't to do any of these, what, what would that look like for you? Well, that means nothing changes. That means I still have the house. That means the problem we spent all this time developing isn't solved. Exactly. So which one of these three is it going to be?
0: Right, exactly.
1: You know, And so they, they make their choice, and, and now you have the basis to begin to do the deal. Now, we, we probably have enough time to get into some very specifics with regard to lease option and seller Well, financing. it gets
0: back to having the multiple options. So so how do those things relate? Well, this is both, both of these cases are a case where the seller perhaps wanted to sell outright, get a check, and, and move on. But instead, you're saying, no, Mr. Seller, we need you to carry. Okay, so how do we explore that? Or the other thing is, well, maybe it's not a sale right now. It starts off as a lease, and I have an option to purchase it. So you You're going to talk through what those are. And again, that depends on what their needs were. If they didn't need the cash right away for some other compelling thing, then you have the basis to offer them a couple of different options. So these might be two of the options. You might do side by side. You might be willing to do either of these, but the seller is going to gravitate to one or the other. And so part of it also is just understanding the pros and cons of each Option. So before you go in, if, if you can do the two-step, great, but if not, you need to have thought through it so it's easy to, to figure out, okay, here's what, here's why seller financing helps me. Well, obviously, no points or fees. You're not going to have to qualify, uh, etc. Why does it help them? Better interest rate, collateral that they know, easier transaction, close quickly, uh, maybe less uh, relying on a, a third-party lender, all those different things. So you figure out those in advance, and then as you're listening to what their needs are and what's important to them those hot buttons that we talked about now you know how to layer that in so it makes sense and it fits into what they're trying to accomplish so you can say one of the things you were worried about of course was the low interest rates you'd get at a bank well let me show you what it looks like with the with the carry yeah or with the with the lease option is a way to to even push it down the road further to say that you know you may not this, this may not be the best market to sell in. So one of the things they're concerned about is, hey, the comps are down or the the market's down. I'm not sure I want to sell now. I think it's going to be better in two years or three right. years. Great. If they say that, then lease option is, is the deal. And, and rather than come up with a specific price, part of your lease option is we'll figure out the value – two years from now based on some methodology, you know, we each get an appraisal, we split the cost or whatever that looks like, but you figure that ahead of time. And again, an option is a great opportunity for you because you can decide yes or no at that point, two years down the road, a year down the road, if you want to do it or not.
1: Yeah. So, you know, if you're trying to solve a cash flow problem, lease options can be great. Look, I can make this payment go away. If you're trying to solve the lifestyle problem, like the folks that wanted to move, hey, I can can free you so you can move. You have somebody that lives in a property, they're equity rich, but they don't have the ability to maintain it, and they're living in a dive, and you can say, look, uh, maybe they end up being your tenant. I mean, if that's what you need, say, look, I can structure this deal where you can keep your home, and we can fix it all up and have it be nice for you. And then, you know, I'll take over the responsibility of making the payment. So you can go in a lot of different directions. And again, that's why it's very important for you to understand it. But one of the important concepts is, is getting them emotionally connected to the benefit. It's one thing to say that, you know, say the feature and hope they find the benefit. It's another thing to say the feature and then explain the benefit but the professional will introduce the feature explain the benefit and then anchor it to an emotion and so the thing is mr seller tell me how will it make a difference in your life to have go from a thousand dollars a month of income to fifteen hundred dollars a month of income how will that affect your life And they'll tell you, I'll be able to go out to dinner. I'll be able to pay for my health care. I'll be able to buy gifts for my grandchildren, whatever it is. I mean, we don't know what it is. They'll know what it is. But you have to let them feel it because if they don't feel it, they're not going to be as motivated to make a move. And since this question implied really is about persuasion, Persuasion is going to be about your positioning, how they perceive you and who you are. So from the minute you show up, how you look, how you act, how you talk, how you represent yourself, little clues because their mind, they're looking to figure out who you are and you don't tell them who you are. You leave little pieces of clue. So they begin to put the jigsaw puzzle together and you paint a picture for them, you know, kind of paint by numbers. You know, you let them do the painting, but, but, you, but you put it out there for them. So you got, you got your positioning and then you've got the, the persuasion part is going to be about pre- presenting your options and getting their passions involved. That's really, really important. And of course, you do that with facts. You have to back that up. You know, your own enthusiasm is part of it, but you have to have the math. So show them the math. Look here. This is the math. This is how I calculated this. And I met with my tax guy and he told me uh, based on his visibility into your situation that uh, this is probably how it works. He's not giving me advice for you and I'm not giving you advice, but I'm saying that you could take this information and go see your own tax advisor or if you don't have a tax advisor, you can engage my tax advisor as become his client, which is a great way of you throw a bone to your your guy who, who helped you but again it's just kind of nailing it all down and getting it to where somebody says okay i can see the benefit i, I see the feature i see the benefit and i feel i feel the benefit and what it's going to do for me in my
0: life when we come back we're going to give you some other nuances and an idea you might not have thought of to uh, really build your credibility in this scenario you're tuned to the real estate guys radio program i'm your
2: host robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com.
4: Are you ready to take your real estate investing to a whole new level? Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 10th Annual Investor Summit. It's part education, part inspiration, part transformation, and a whole lot of fun. And it takes place in four different countries. Returning this year are Rich Dad Advisors Ken McElroy and Wayne Palmer, international developer Beth Clifford, attorney Mauricio Rold, and the godfather of real estate, Bob Helms. Plus, Joining us for the first time, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, live and in person. It all begins March 30th, 2012 in Orlando. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click on the tab that says Summit to learn more. The Investor Summit always sells out, so reserve your spot today. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit or call 888-GUYS-RADIO to talk with our Summit specialist. That's 888-489-7723. 888-GUYS-RADIO. Spend a week with the Real Estate Guys, the Kiyosakis, and an all-star faculty on the 10th Annual Investor Summit.
0: Looking for solid cash flow in a market where the jobs are likely to stay put? This is Robert Helms. Join me March 2nd through 4th for the Real Estate Guys Investor Field Trip to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to show you this affordable real estate market where cash flow is the name of the game. You'll meet active developers, rehabbers, property managers, plus folks from the Chamber of Commerce and many surprise guest speakers. Find out how the four R's of Memphis will virtually ensure a steady supply of qualified tenants. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on Events. Events. Join me in Memphis for an amazing cash flow weekend. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events.
2: Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Listen up.
0: Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. We love listeners' questions. And last week, we did Ask the Guys. If you missed that show, go back and hear it on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Today's entire show really was spawned uh, by a question. That's why we love those questions. So get to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click Ask the Guys. And uh, you're talking about today, really, what does it take to create a deal? We want to be deal makers, not deal breakers. We want to be able to look for solutions that other people didn't think of if you get good at this you will find yourself in amazing deals that nobody else can get into that's the the big picture once you get good at showing the seller what's the benefit to a lease option or a seller carry back or any a variety of other things this can be huge we use this in development i mean it's it's a, it's amazing what what you can do now one of the tools i want to talk about that you might not think about is in in a case like this say you've got a seller that doesn't even understand what a carry back looks like or mortgage financing or they don't know how a lease option works rather than you trying to explain it when they're viewing you as this potential adversary it's great to have some third party ability to show that. If you can find a book, if you have a simple videotape, let me give you an example. Back when we sold residential real estate, one of the big objections you have with a seller is arriving at the right price. You want the property to be priced well so it'll sell. Too many sellers often have an inflated value of their property and won't ask the right price. But as soon as I start beating them up on their price, then I'm the bad guy. There was a guy named David Knox who did an amazing video, you can still get it today, called Pricing Your Home to Sell. And here's what was great about it. He did a, a very compelling job in about 12 minutes of explaining to the seller how they would be complete boneheads if they listed for, for too high. And it wasn't you beating them up. It was him. He was credible. He had Facts. he had a great so you would basically say Hey, here's a tool you might use if you're we're thinking about pricing before we come up with a price i um, here here's a video and, and back then it was a vhs tape right today you can you can email it to them but you have a piece something that is somebody else explaining to them or another way you build credibility follow me on this you say well one of the things we might consider is something called a lease option are you familiar with that well i actually wrote an article about that i'll be happy to get you a copy of that So now you wrote an article. Well, did you? Well, could you? Right? You could go research it and you could write an article. Now, that does a couple of things. First of all, it lets it be a separate engagement where they're reading it instead of hearing it from you. It's not exactly third party because you wrote it, but you all of a sudden are seen in a different light if you wrote that article. There's a lot of nuances to this that you can use to build up credibility.
1: Well, one of the things about building credibility is brand association. You know, you see uh, Hollywood people do it all the time, hanging out with other A-listers, you know, who you're seen with, who. You're known with. There's people who are famous just for being famous, and that's because they hang out with famous people. Um, But you know, you see companies do this. What enough about us? Yeah, you see this all the time where companies build their brands. And so, you know, one of the things that I do in my preparation for our clues in the news segment for the inner circle all the time is I, I read the news every single day, and I don't go to esoteric news sources because when I'm in a deal and I'm trying to persuade someone, I have to associate with a brand. If I show them an article that appeared in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, or a publication, Money Magazine, or something that they read, they respect, somebody who spent a lot of money building up their brand and credibility, it automatically builds up me. I promise you there are a bazillion articles out there on lease option, seller financing. Begin to collect those from reputable sources and make your little highlights, make your little notes. It'll do several things for you. Number one, it will help you become more expert because you will be looking at people who are professional writers, professional communicators, explaining the benefits and the pitfalls of these various types of things. The second thing it'll do is it'll give you a little insight into the mindset of the market because the chances are very good that people that you're going to be dealing with have read these articles and you ought to know what they're thinking and what they're saying, good, bad, and ugly. The third thing it'll do is it'll give you a big uh, library or a big quiver full of arrows, if you will, of information, to Robert, your point, that you can pull out and you can show to someone and say, well, you know, an article was written in Money Magazine, you know, a year ago on the benefits of seller financing. I don't know if you ever saw this article, but this is the kind of thing we're talking about. And now you lay that out. Now it's not you. It's totally third party. And, of course, if you're bright enough to be able to write an article and actually get it published somewhere, then, then you know, th- that can backfire on you a little bit because then they feel like they're they're, they're in a negotiation with someone who's in way over their head. But it's not a bad thing to have, or maybe you have it in your collection of articles just to kind of make the point.
0: Well, my point about writing the article isn't necessarily having it being a published article. That's a different level of credibility, and it could work for or against you. But the fact that you took time to write this stuff out, and it's not a direct – when you wrote an article, it wasn't directly to try to get them to do something. Right. It's a different thing, but it shows you as kind of an expert, and it also lets you highlight that you kind of know this thing. Because one of the parts of Will's question that I liked here was that he said, even though I'm just a new real estate investor – Well, wonderful. You know that. But you're not going in with your years of experience in real estate. What you're doing instead is you're giving all kinds of thoughts and resources and ideas that the, they hadn't thought of before. The fact that you're new is great. You're going to be more enthusiastic than the guy that's been doing it 40 years. Well,
1: and hopefully you're plugged into a group of people, of other real estate investors, and you're going to be being mentored by somebody who has greater experience. And, Robert, you mentioned this all the time in just real estate practice. But anybody in any business who's new and is trying to get established learns the power of we. And they're going to go out and they're going to say, well, you know, we were in a deal similar to this and this is the solution that worked really well for the seller in that situation. Not sure if it would apply here, but we had great success there. And who's we? Well, we is you and your mentor, you and your associate, and then you can tell the story. And if you really get to the point where you need a little extra persuasion, you can say, you know, I, I bet you that seller would probably be willing to talk to you about how that happened and how it worked out and why they did it. And again, it may not apply. Again, you see how you're constantly taking it away. You're saying it and then you back off. You say it and then you back off a little bit. And it's a kind of a way to kind of inch your way into the psyche of the other person without you know, being a bull in a china shop. And that's an important technique.
0: And again, this whole thing is about building a relationship. We are in a relationship business. That's what real estate is. And the best deals are done with good relationships. And I'll tell you what, when you get really successful at real estate, you're not dealing with a cold seller, cold buyer again and again and again, you're often doing deals with the same groups of people because you establish from the beginning the win-win scenario. It makes it so much easier when you don't have to go out and prospect again for, for your, your next meal. Instead, you've got a, a network, you've got a resource, you've got a database, you've got people you know. It's it's huge. So uh, great question. Hopefully, you've heard learned something uh, helpful uh, today. Uh, one of the things we wanted to remind you of is there's still opportunity to hang out with us and, of uh, course, the Kiyosakes, and, and uh, we've got Ken McElroy coming, we've got Tom Wheelwright coming, all kinds of great folks on the 10th Annual Investor Summit at sea. Even if you were, your name was in the hat and you didn't win today, still there's an opportunity for you to come with us. Now, it is getting tighter. We've reached the point where all of the cabins that we reserved for the cruise have been relinquished, and so now we have to go on a space-by-space basis. So the sooner you make the decision to come, the better. Also, looking at the calendar, uh, next month we're going to be in the beautiful city of Memphis, Tennessee on a field trip and a couple of months after that in Dallas, Texas. A field trip is a great way for you to find out about a marketplace and see uh, what we look for when we go to a marketplace. Now, it might not be for you, really. It might not be. So that's <laughs> that's the takeaway. But but decide. Go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events and you can find out more uh, about the uh, field trips. A great way to understand real estate investing. You learn all kinds of little nuggets.
1: Yeah, and it's a great way for us to get to know you because uh, it's one of our favorite things is to get a chance to meet the listeners face-to-face and hang out and ask questions, talk real estate and life and, uh, and, you know, again, we have a lot of these, you know, casual conversations which I think is just a huge benefit. So we'd really encourage you to come out to a live event and uh, let us uh, look you eyeball to eyeball, would you say belly to belly? Belly to belly. Belly to belly.
0: Speaking of that, we have an awesome opportunity next week to uh, meet a gentleman that we are super excited about. Our guest on next week's show, you're going to dig, so make sure you tune in next week uh, to the Real Estate Guys or radio show and whatever format you listen, whether on the radio or on iTunes or uh, on our site, whoever you listen to the Real Estate Guys. We appreciate it. Tell a friend about the Real Estate Guys. And until next week, go make some equity happen.
2: This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Texas Investor Homes, discover high-yield, low-risk, double-digit cash on cash returns through interim construction funding. Hassle-free cash flow investing, creating cash flow opportunities for real estate investors with brand new single family homes in Dallas, Texas. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton.